Chapter Three of A Dash for a Throne by Arthur W. Marchmont. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Three, As Your Highness Will. The perplexing difficulty of my position was extreme. The eyes of both men were fixed on me, noting every expression that crossed my face waiting upon my lightest word and eager to show their allegiance to me as the new head of the house a career of magnificent promise lay invitingly at my very feet and i had but to utter a word to step into a position of power and influence moreover every chivalrous instinct of my nature was stirred with a desire to save the beautiful girl i had seen from the clutch of the man threatening her with worse than ruin while my red-hot desire for revenge on the man himself was prompting me to stay where i was until at least i could expose and punish him his sin against me had been the one absolutely unforgivable he had married my sister and too late we had discovered that at the time he was already married the blow and the shame had killed her and broken my mother's heart and over my sister's coffin i had sworn to have his life for hers but he had fled and no efforts of mine had been able to find him up to the hour of my own supposed death and now here he was delivered into my hands and actually in the very act of repeating his foul offence fate had surely brought us together in this dramatic fashion i could not disclose my identity to him but i could be the agent to detect his new sin and could thus myself punish him for the old with my pulses throbbing with this fire was it likely that i could make an instant decision in accordance with the dictates of mere surface conventionality i held back from the decision and even then might have persisted in avowing the truth when the man himself came ruffling into the room his strong dark coarse features wore an expression of bullying assertiveness his manner was that of the lord of the place toward an interloper and he spoke to me in the hectoring tone of a master toward an inferior servant the personal contact with him the sound of his voice the insolent look of his heavy eyes and my own hate of him were like so many knots on a whiplash goading me to fury i heard you had come but i suppose you know your errand is a fretless one had i been the most contemptible lickspittle on the meanest and greediest quest his expression could not have been worse i saw the other two men exchange a rapid glance what do you deem my errand i asked quietly oh that's plain enough he answered with a sneer you've come after what you can get 
the prince probably sent you by these agents of his with a contemptuous sweep of the hand toward them some wonderful account of the good things in store for you here and very naturally you came to gather them but the prince's death has knocked the bottom out of that barrel and he laughed very coarsely there's nothing here for you except an empty title and a beggarly old castle mortgaged from the bottom of the old moat to the tip-top of the flagstaff that and a mess of very hazardous intrigue is all you can hope for here this speech coarse and contemptible as it was under such circumstances was not to be compared with the ineffable brutality of the manner which marked its delivery i was astounded that any man could so behave but i saw his motive instinctively he had heard little of me except as a meek-spirited student likely to shy at any danger and his object was to frighten me away and who are you then i asked these gentlemen have told me nothing of the position of matters here then the sooner you know something the better have the goodness to leave us captain von krugen the latter started as i thought angrily at the sharp imperious tone in which he was addressed and glanced at me in some hesitation do you hear me sir exclaimed von nauheim still more sharply and then getting no sign from me the two men left the room that fellow gets more presuming every day the prince made far too much of him but i'll soon have a change so you don't know the position of things here eh mr student do you set much store on your life and he eyed me very sharply expecting to see me wince i did not disappoint him i started and in a tone of some alarm asked why there's no danger of that sort here is there do you know how your late cousin gustav lost his what do you mean ah i thought the question would surprise you i'm not going to tell you everything because these matters are for men of action and not for bookworms he died in a duel forced on him for the sole reason that he was the prince's next heir oh but that cannot be possible i cried as if incredulous possible he echoed with a laugh can you fight i mean do you think you can stand before the finest swordsmen or the picked shots in all bavaria i don't see the necessity perhaps not just yet he returned dryly poor gustav didn't but the time came none the less the man who puts on the mantle of the dead prince upstairs must look to find little in the pockets except challenges but what of you who are you why do you tell me this because i dislike attending funerals he replied with a grim laugh besides i am a soldier and it's my business to fight you have probably heard my name already 
i'm the count of nauheim and the late prince's daughter is my betrothed wife and you mean i suppose that all the prince's wealth will pass to the daughter that is the prince's will and you weren't in time to get him to alter it you see he sneered but i let the sneer pass for the moment then you will be the head of the family in all but the name the husband of the daughter the owner of the wealth and the guardian of its honour you can put a point with the clearness of a lawyer he said have you then fought the man who killed the son gustav as i asked the question i kept my eyes fixed steadily on his and all his bluster could not hide his discomfiture these are things you don't understand he said brusquely there is much behind too much to explain to you but if you say that my cousin gustav was murdered that you know this to be so that fighting is your business and that you are the guardian of the family's honour why have you not called the murderer to account i tell you you don't understand these things we don't manage matters like a parcel of swaggering student duels apparently not i answered in a studiously quiet tone students would say in such a case that you did not fight because you dared not you speak with a strange license and if you are not careful you will get yourself into trouble he cried furiously trying to frighten me with a bullying stare you won't find every one ready to make such allowances for your gaucherie as i am you will have the goodness to withdraw that suggestion i will do so with pleasure the moment i know you have challenged the man you call a murderer or have repeated in his presence what you have said about him to me his surprise at this unexpected tone of quiet insistence on my part was almost laughable but he tried to carry it off and bear me down with his boisterous bullying manner you had better take heed how you presume on my forbearance toward one in your position or even the fact that you are nominally a member of the family will not prevent me from giving you a pretty severe lesson you mean i suppose that although you dared not challenge the man who killed gustav you think you might tackle me with impunity that is not a very high standard of courage and i shrugged my shoulders and curled my lips in contempt as i added if that is all the protection the gramberg honour can rely upon god save the family reputation the sneer drove him mad and the blood rushed to his face until every one of his coarse features glowed with his passion with the prince lying dead in the castle this is not the time for such a matter to be settled but i will not suffer such an insult even from you to pass unpunished why should you seek to force a quarrel on me at such a time 
you forget the quarrelers of your making i answered coolly the moment you entered this room you insulted me by saying i had come here for what i could get and sneered that i was too late to induce the prince to alter the will leaving his property to his daughter in my view that will is perfectly just and right then for some object i know not what as yet you tried to frighten me into running away from the place altogether you have mistaken your man sir i have no hankering for the late prince's wealth but what you have said of yourself is more than enough to prove that the honour of my family is not in safe keeping when left in your hands as there is nothing but that honour i will accept that part of the inheritance rage hate threats and baffled malice were in the look he turned on me at this you wish to make me your enemy at least i have no wish to make you my friend i retorted you will live to repent this bitterly he cried with an oath we will have no meddlers here in the path of our purpose and still more enraged by the smile which the threat evoked from me he went hurriedly out of the room truly my years of self-repression had wrought a great change in me five years before his hot insolence would have so fired me that i would have made him answer for it on the spot but now i could hold my anger in check and wait for my revenge but this little conflict was my first live experience for five years and the sense of it pleased me when the man had left me i had no longer any scruples about going forward with my new character there was no one to be robbed of a fortune no one to be supplanted in a coveted position nothing but an overpawned castle to be gained there was apparently a dangerous intrigue to be faced and a sweet girl's honour to be saved and a treacherous villain to be exposed and punished not the kind of inheritance which many men would covet but then few men were ever placed in my situation i was thinking hard over all this when my two captors came back into the room hurriedly both very angry von nauheim had seen them after leaving me and had vented his anger on them they asked me now excitedly if it was my wish that they should leave the castle immediately after the prince's funeral i listened to them very quietly i had already had pretty strong evidence of the length to which their zeal for the family's affair would induce them to go and von nauheim's hostility to them was a powerful recommendation in my eyes i beg you to be calm gentlemen i said and to bear in mind that i know very little of the position of affairs here i have understood from you that you were both largely in the late prince's confidence indeed you have given me pretty good proof of that since yesterday but beyond that i do not know what your relations here have been in the past we have been for years in the prince's confidential service i myself enjoyed his closest confidence answered captain von krugen 
but my allegiance is to the head of the house i recognize no one else and you desire to remain in that service i have no other wish in life sir he replied earnestly nor i assented the other if you were in his confidence you will know that the late prince has left his successor no means of maintaining a large retinue what i am and all that i have i owe to your late uncle said the captain in the same earnest tone i ask nothing else than to place my sword and my fortune alike at your disposal and i can speak for steinitz here our liberty and lives are indeed at issue in the present crisis and if all is not to fail ignominiously now we must have a strong hand and a clear head in command there was no mistaking the man's sincerity and usurper though i was the offer touched me i believe you absolutely captain von krugen and you herr steinitz and i gave them my hand but all the same i do not know what crisis you mean tell me freely i tried to tell you on the journey here but you prevented me do you know the history of your family the lineage on the side of the late prince's wife i know very little speak as freely as if i knew nothing you will not try my patience steinitz see that there is no one about and keep guard outside the door that no one enters he paused while the younger man withdrew and then leading me to a deep window-seat at the end of the room began to speak in a low tone there is a traitor somewhere among us and thus the greatest need for caution for a long time previous to his death your uncle was engaged in a task that involved the highest issues of state the extreme discontent at the antics of the madman who is now king of bavaria induced a number of the more prominent and bolder men in the country to plot his overthrow there is a slip in his ancestry and the disappearance of a certain prince otto who was the heir to the throne let in the younger branch of the family through whom the title has descended to the present king otto was supposed to have died but he was only eccentric he lived in secret retirement married and left a son from that son who was unquestionably the rightful heir the late wife of your uncle came in direct descent she was the only child of the eldest line and by right she should have reigned as queen as you know she died and left the two children gustav who was killed in a duel and the daughter who is in the castle at this moment do you mean i began when he paused i mean that the countess minna von gramberg should at this moment be the queen of bavaria and that by god's help we shall all live to see her crowned his dark face flushed and his eyes glowed with the enthusiasm of this speech my own feeling was more wonderment than enthusiasm however 
if this most hazardous and ambitious scheme were afoot what could be the meaning of von nauheim's share in it as the betrothed husband of a future queen the prince's first intention was of course to put his son on the throne and matters were indeed well ripe for this when unfortunately he became embroiled in a duel and was killed that duel we believe to have been forced on him murder in all but the actual form and the man who killed him i asked a noted italian swordsman praga hired and paid as we believe for his work hired by whom by the family who stand next in succession to the throne the king as you know has no children and the succession passes to the ostenburg branch of the family that was my master's main hope our claims are stronger than theirs and we had on this account secured the support of most of the prominent men in the country well i asked for he paused with a gesture of disappointment count gustav's death threw everything back where they had been ready to stand by a man some of them drew back frightened from supporting a young girl and unless a bold stroke be made now everything may be lost what bold stroke do you mean like that planned before everything was ready we thought the ostenburg agents had not a suspicion of our plans we had resolved to take advantage of the mad king's fancies to lure him out on one of those wild midnight drives of his and then to seize his person and put one of ourselves into his place made up of course to resemble him and to let the dummy play the part of king long enough to enable us to get the madman where he ought to have been long since into restraint then the dummy was to throw aside his disguise and declare that he had been acting by the king's orders that the latter had abdicated and had proclaimed the count gustav his successor as being the rightful lineal heir we should have done the rest it was a brave scheme it was as mad as the king himself said i but what then it was just before things were ripe that the other side got wind through some treachery somewhere and the count was killed in the duel well half the cowards drew away but they will all come back the moment they see us strike a blow and it was to have you close at hand helping the good work that the prince sent for you and the count von nauheim the prince had supreme confidence in him he was not with us at first but his coming secured us the help of a very large and influential section of the people enough to turn the balance indeed and make this scheme certain of success the prince welcomed him heartily enough and cheerfully complied with the condition fixed by those for whom he acted that the countess minna should be given to him in marriage this made me thoughtful knowing as i did the man's character 
and the daughter herself my companion frowned drawing his dark brows close together and pursed up his lips as he replied ambiguously neither man nor woman at such a time can think of any but reasons of state you mean that she consented to give her hand but could not give her heart with it i mean more than that sir and i must speak frankly to you the countess minna has never favoured the scheme but has strongly opposed it and opposes it still women have no ambition she has no longing for a throne and now that her father is dead i fear well i do not know what she may do if you will urge her she is her father's daughter and will i believe go through with it but much will depend upon you and if she does not go on with it what then we are all pledged too deeply to draw back now your highness he answered very earnestly we must either succeed or fail there is no middle course and failure means a prison or a convent for the prince's daughter and worse than ruin for the rest of us as for yourself you i warn you will be the certain object of attack for there is no safe obscurity here the enemies of your highness's house will never rest satisfied while a possible heiress to the throne remains at large or while those who have helped to put her there are alive and at liberty as i told you at hamnel we are playing for desperate stakes and must play boldly and like men before i had time to reply we heard steinitz in conversation with some one outside the door and a moment later he opened it and said that the countess minna was anxious to see me and was coming to the library for that purpose End of chapter three